Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and today we have our Reviewers Roundtable. We've brought together some of our top reviewers from the New Consciousness Review website to talk about some of the books they've recently reviewed that especially impressed them. Joining us today are Julie Clayton, Cynthia Sue Larson, Diane Holcomb, and me. And we're going to start with Diane Holcomb. Diane admits that she collects books like some women collect shoes. An avid reader, Diane is currently one of the top 10 reviewers for New Consciousness Review, and she is also, in her spare time, (laughs) book buyer for East West Bookstore in California. She's a fiction writer and a humor blogger. And Diane, before I forget, is there a website for your blog? Um, it is www.squirrelsinthedoohickey.com. <laughs> okay. Which is a, which is a line that the, uh, PG&E guy told me when, when he went up the pole to see why my television wasn't connected, or the cable guy, and he came back down and he says, you've got squirrels in the doohickey, and I thought, yeah, I do, kind of squirrely thoughts in my head, and I think we all do at some point or another. <laughs> Terrific. Okay, well, you'll send me the spelling of doohickey. I'll put it. Okay. On, I'll put it on your bio. Okay, <laughs> Diane, tell me, what is your first book? Um, I'm going to start with Essentialism: The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. And um, this title caught my eye because I tend to be very um, Scattered. I was at a time when I was feeling really overwhelmed, scattered, unfocused, stressed out. I looked at this book, especially the uh, subtitle, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. I thought that sounds good to me. I thought of myself kicking back in a hammock, snoozing, but that's not what the book is about. It's about um, finding what is essential in your life and doing only that and not wasting your energy on all those little things that we think are essential but really aren't. So if you look at your list and uh, an item on it doesn't really spark your interest, but heck yeah, I want to do that, then cross it off is what he says and uh, find out what what is it that I want to be investing my time in. He talks about going through your closet, going through your life and saying, if I didn't already own this or if I wasn't already working on this project, would I invest time or money on it now? If not, why do you have it going on? <laughs> Why do you have it in your closet? Get rid of it. Um, and he talks about ways to set boundaries, build buffers of time. That's something that I need to work on because I'm always late to everything. So he says build a buffer of time around what you need to be doing so you allow yourself more time. Say no with grace to things you don't need to be doing. So he he lays it all out in his book in short, essential chapters and um, I'm sure I'll be referring to this when my perfectionistic tendencies rear their ugly heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, I really uh, I thought this was a great book for those who are overwhelmed and just want to get down to focusing on what it is they want to be doing with their lives. Terrific. And uh, tell us again the title and the author. Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yeah, that's spelled M-C-K-E-O-W-N. Right. Not your intuitive spelling. 
Okay. Yeah. And now we have Cynthia Sue Larson. Cynthia is a best-selling author, life coach, and inspirational speaker who is known as the quantum optimist for helping people discover their many possible selves and jump into their favorite lives while staying focused on the question, how good can it get? She's been featured on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, Coast to Coast AM, and the BBC. And you can watch her YouTube videos and subscribe to her free easing at realityshifters.com. So, Cynthia, what have you got for us today? Well, I've got a book that I, I think everybody will be interested in. It's called Super Normal, Science, Yoga, and the Evidence for Extraordinary Psychic Abilities. And this is written by Dean Radin. He's, the, uh, he's one of the chief scientists at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And this book is really extraordinary because it delves into all of the basic concepts that, um, if, if you're thinking yoga, what is that? Um, a lot of people have experience with physical yoga. That's the kind of yoga, of course, where you would um, adopt like downward facing dog. And this book is not about physical yoga so much as it is about the, um, these amazing things that are called cities. And these include things like um, telepathy, psychokinesis, clairvoyance, precognition, and all kinds of other, um, you know, mind-body control capabilities that most people might not think they have access to. Um, but, but I think that's what makes this book so interesting because it describes that when people do meditate quite a bit, when they become masters of meditation, and, you know, these are yogic masters, um, then these other abilities seem to just sort of ordinarily take place. And they, they've been described for thousands of years. What, what makes this book so interesting to me personally is here at last is a scientist. This is what's really remarkable. This is a scientist, um, Dean Radin, who has a Ph.D., who is looking at these types of special abilities through a scientific lens. In other words, um, sometimes you hear the phrase extraordinary claims, require extraordinary evidence and that kind of thing. Well, here in this book, there are more than enough references, sources, and explanations with real scientific rigor um, that really reassure you that these things are real, these types of extraordinary abilities. And furthermore, they're apparently a very normal part of who we are. So I think, I think this is just a remarkable book that should be must-reading for college students definitely it may be a little advanced for some people but if you like thoughtful reading and, and it's written in a down-to-earth way with a lot of humor uh, so i think it's not something that's above people's heads you don't need to have a degree in physics to understand it it's basically um, addressing some of the assumptions that we tend to make about what people are capable of and what nature is really showing us in the natural world so that if you're a scientist or you're looking into the science of consciousness, um, then it encourages us to reestablish um, sort of a foundation of what our assumptions are. And I think for that basis, as well as just looking at thousands of years of amazing experience through a scientific lens, this is an amazing book. Highly recommend it. And again, this is super normal. Science, Yoga, and the Evidence for Extraordinary Psychic Abilities by Dean Radin. And that's spelled R-A-D-I-N. You know, it's so interesting that just about every single um, spiritual discipline, every single book you read about people kind of accessing um, other dimensions, if you will, 
starts with this ability to tune in, this um, quieting the mind and just being open. So it's fascinating to see the kind of two halves of the hemisphere, the science and the consciousness, coming together in such a convincing way. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's what makes this book so special. I've never seen anything like it. So that's why it's just quite, I think it's a must read, actually. Super cool. Okay, Julie. Julie Clayton is the reviews editor for New Consciousness Review, and she's also reviewed for Publishers Weekly. She's a freelance editor and the quiet genius behind several New York Times bestsellers and award-winning books in the new consciousness genre. She holds an MA in Integral Consciousness Studies from John F. Kennedy University and is pursuing her doctorate in metaphysical science. Julie is the co-editor with me of What Wags the World, Tales of New Consciousness, being published in September by O-Books. Her website is sacredwriting.com. Welcome, Julie, and what do you have for us? Hi, I'm really glad to be here today. Um, I really appreciate, Miriam, that you, you kind of set me up for this book, which is called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped by Patty Conklin. Um, and when you talked about you know, the accessing of dimensions and the two halves of the hemispheres of the brain, this is a, a very interesting book written by Patty, who is a medical intuitive, and she felt the method to use frequencies of light or active vibration and sound, light and sound, to heal people, um, which she calls color works. And, of course, she, as with most healers, says we can learn to use this and master it for ourselves. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting book, and in particular, as often is the case, the story of the author themselves um, adds a lot of depth to the message in that Patty has been able to read, quote-unquote, read people since she was a child. But what she sees is literally the words we use, how we speak. And she sees them in the brain's hemisphere. So she's visually seeing this. And she sees how they drop into our body and get stored as emotions in our cells. So her healing work is really, and she believes that every disease has a basis in emotion. So her healing work is really to remove that emotion, and as she says, a lot of times the disease will reverse. Um, and it's a, it's a really simple process um, using meditation and visualization, so as you say, accessing different dimensions. Um, and her own story, her personal story, is that in the 1980s she had lupus, She'd lost her kidney. She had lacerations. Doctors told her she had 68 years to live. And she had a dream in which she had a visitation. And in the visitation, a light appeared, but uh, an entity. But it spoke in colors, as she said. And these colors coursed through her body um, and her cells and, and vibrated within her. She woke up, and she felt like part of her was clearer, as she says, like a pot that has been scrubbed. Um, and she sat in meditation, and she asked, what color do I need to remove my lupus? And nothing happened. And so she sat with that, and she questions, you know, questions we would all have. Why am I having this? What can I do? How am I going to look after my family? And so forth. 
Um, and then she realized that the issue, as she says, the issue was not in her tissue, it was in her sense of self-worth. So she went back into meditation and said, what color do I need to improve my self-worth? And from there, <laughs> as I say, the rest is history. She began developing this program, ColorWorks, ColorWorks and Color Tone, she called it, because one of the things I really appreciate about this book is that she offers alternative ways of accessing those inner dimensions other than just visualization, since we're not all really good at visualizing. So it's a really useful book. It's a different approach. I haven't actually seen it before or heard it, I should say. Um, it's easy to read. It's easy to follow. And I would recommend it for anybody who's interested in, you know, exploring self-healing methods. There are many, many that are appearing, and I think they all have validity. And some will work better for for some people than others, and sometimes we just have to search around and find the one that works best for us. And it is called God Within by Patty Conklin. You know, this is so interesting. I remember um, being at a seminar with Donna Eden, and she was talking about the different ways that people process information. Some process it primarily through um, auditory channels. Others are more kinesthetic. Others are uh, more uh, uh, visual. And um, this is well known to NLP practitioners that you coach, uh, you couch your message in the modality of your listener. So um, this uh, multiple approach of being able to use either color, which would use the visual <coughs> senses, or sound, which would use the auditory senses or or the uh the visualization it's just um it's just fascinating so yeah cool yeah i'm yeah. sorry i gave it to you <laughs> she probably also um adds a, a couple other sensory modalities one of which she just calls knowing which i actually resonated with because it's sort of a felt sense impression it's not you know hearing or seeing or speaking or touching it's something that's really a felt sense. And mm -hmm. uh, what I like about, you know, what she offers with each of those is she gives examples of how to use those senses to do her method, to use her method. Mm -hmm. So it's really helpful. Fascinating. Okay. Diane, back to you. Hello. <laughs> um, my next book is called Life by the Cup. Ingredients for a Purpose-Filled Life of Bottomless Happiness and Limitless Success. Oh, I'll go to that. I know. This is by Zena Musica. Um, and Zena, this is a rags-to-riches story, but it's more than that. It's, it's about what she did with her riches to help the world. So this woman was 24, single, living below the poverty level, she had an infant son who needed a life-saving operation, and she had no money, so she had to start relying on her, on her skills or her wits to, to bring in money. And she has a gypsy heritage, and she's always loved um, teas. And she started to put together a business of manufacturing, putting, making tea. 
And um, so she started with $6 and a tea cart in a little store, and she's now the multimillionaire <laughs> owner of Gina's, uh, Zena's Gypsy Peas. And they're all organic teas. These are teas that come from Sri Lanka and, um, and as well as different um, essences that she puts in them. So um, this is her 13-year journey. And um, each story has, it starts off with, or each chapter rather, starts off with a little uh, dose of inspiration. And then she goes into what, what part of the journey that she's at and then um, the obstacles she overcame. And uh, the chapters end with an exercise that the reader can do to think about their own life story. Um, and so her story has everything that is part of a good story. It has uh, a, a strong want and need to, to you know, help her son survive, by right? making money to help her son survive, uh, obstacles she had to overcome, the actions she took to overcome the obstacles, and a happy ending or beginning, <laughs> she could say. And um, it's geared to women, but it's really for anybody who wants to overcome limitations, become, as she says, audacious in your dreams. It's um, emotionally engaging. Um, and, and what she did was she eventually... Uh, went to Sri Lanka to see where her teas came from, where the, 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 the leaves came from. And she met the women who plucked the leaves, and she really decided she wanted to make a difference in their lives. And so her mission was to provide health and happiness to consumers while alleviating poverty for tea workers worldwide. And that's what she does with her teas. She's going to be coming to East West in October, so we're very excited to have her here. Wow. Again, that, that's called Life by the Cup by Zena Musica. That is fantastic. It reminds me a bit of the story of The Compass of Now by Dee Dee Nard. Um, but it just points out that you don't have to accept your situation. Exactly. You can get up and change it. Yes, and that's what's so admirable about the pluck that she had, <laughs> that she pulled up from her doubts and insecurities, and she went out there and tackled, you know, what she needed to do. I've seen those gypsy teas. I, I've actually bought some. It's, They're it's, great. They're organic, all organic. Yeah. It's fun knowing the, the, the story behind it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, um, Cynthia, back to you. Oh, wonderful. Well, this is just so interesting. I, I love hearing about all these books, and I, it sort of startles me when we're back to me. <laughs> like, wow, these are amazing. Well, my, my next book is uh, by Irvin Laszlo, and it's called The Self-Actualizing Cosmos, The Akasha Revolution in Science and Human Consciousness. So um, if, you, if that name, Irvin Laszlo, sounds familiar, it's probably because um, he has twice been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, He's the author of over 75 books. He's the founder and president of the International Think Tank in the Club of Budapest, and he's got an advanced study center, and he lives in Tuscany. So that's and he's written the foreword to my book, to oh. my and Julie's book. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this guy is a cutting-edge thinker, and he's really involved in what I'd call 
sort of cosmic consciousness and as a solution towards some of the problems that we currently can, might be thinking are insoluble, um, such as you know things like global warming, or, uh, overpopulation, just all the different um, kinds of crises that are on the planet right now. But what makes Irvin Laszlo um, so inspirational to me personally is that rather than hand-wringing and getting caught up in you know, boy, everything's just collapsing and it's all going wrong. Uh, and he gives a nod to that. He's aware of that. But he definitely points us toward a solution. And in this case, it's a very ancient kind of solution. Um, the, the last book I just reviewed was Supernormal, of course, and I was talking about these Indian ideas of cities, um, S-I-D-D-H-I-S. And now Akasha is another concept from India. And the Akasha record is something a lot of people have heard about, they might be familiar with. And this, this concept is uh, one of, um, the, the way Laszlo explains it, when you enter altered states of consciousness through unusual events, which could be um, quite life-changing epiphanies and you know, things like that, or through prayer, meditation, aesthetic experience, or just being out in nature and recognizing the immense magnitude and beauty of nature, um, these things have a measurable effect on the brain and it synchronizes our left and right hemispheres. Uh, but that's just the beginning of it because what happens when you get that synchronized state, it's in sharp contrast to the regular states of consciousness where sometimes our left and right brain ways of thinking seem like they're at odds with one another. Um, and so, so it brings us into this deeply meditative state. When people meditate together, they become coherent and synchronicities occur for the entire group of people. So, so this is what's so positive. And then the Akasha paradigm, for those who aren't familiar with the Akasha, it's um, basically the fundamental element against which everything in the material universe can be observed. So it's the foundation of reality, yet at the same time, it's not really material at all. So it's like the basic essential roots of reality. Um, you could think of it as containing all the information. And, and so these concepts of coherence, of groups of people becoming in a state of oneness, um, individuals reaching that state of oneness, and how you can get there, is really what this book is all about. Uh, with a great deal of optimism, even though recognizing that we're in a transition time on this planet right now. And so when people feel kind of hopeless, like, what can I do? I'm just one person. Um, this is a book that can show you the way, and it does so with a lot of theory. Uh, the book itself is structured in a very interesting manner because it starts off with what you'd call regular chapters going through the ideas in the book and explaining things like materialism and idealism and dualism. But then there's some interesting chapters, which are questions and answer sessions um, with other individuals in the field, including Irvin Laszlo talking with, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this gentleman's name, uh, Giorgi Zabo. And, okay, hope I didn't... <laughs> really close. <laughs> yes. And then it goes through some uh, excellent overviews of possible theories as to um, why... Irvin Laszlo and some other scientists um, that he's mentioning in his book believe that we need to get past this very classical, structured um, approach of viewing reality as being fixed and very material. So it's um, this material, realistic viewpoint is out of date, and and so that's why 
Irvin is pointing out, it's time for us to recognize there's this unifying oneness that's really the root of everything, and it does have a physical basis. And so a couple of theories are presented toward the back of the book. So you don't have to read those chapters unless you really want the science, and then it does get a bit technical. Um, But the two scientific hypotheses are Paul A. LaViolette's hypothesis of a transmuting ether, and then Peter Jakubowski's theory of the universal quantum field. And these are theories that should be verifiable. So it's beyond philosophy. It's getting into an idea that should be testable. And it's, again, this is a book I consider um, a very essential reading for anyone who's seriously concerned with what we can each do um, to ensure the well-being of life as we know it on Earth for ourselves and the plants and animals. And it's highly recommended, really thought-provoking. So again, this is called The Self-Actualizing Cosmos, The Akasha Revolution in Science and Human Consciousness by Irvin Laszlo. I sense a theme emerging here. Fantastic. Okay, who... Oh, Julie. Julie, we're up to you. I'm up, yes. And um, I love the recurring message um, that we can and should follow our dreams on many, many levels. And my next book is called A Fuller View, and it is, of course, referring to Buckminster Fuller uh, and his vision of hope and abundance for all. Uh, And he is the epitome of someone who followed his dreams in a very down-to-earth, pragmatic way. Um, And as I'm sure many people have heard of Bucky, as he liked to call himself, Bucky Fuller, um, who was actually born in 1895. I didn't realize that until I looked it up, um, and, and lived until 1983. And he was a pioneer in thinking globally. Uh, he, he really set the bar high and um, tasked himself to live up to that high bar every day. The book itself is a collection of um, essays or commentaries, as it's called, from... 42 different notable thinkers and visionaries, including people like Barbara Marks Hubbard, excuse me, Hubbard, um, and Roshi Joan Halifax, and Gary Zukov, and uh, many others, obviously. And each, uh, each guest commentator was asked to choose a quote of, of Bucky Fuller that Bucky Fuller had said and talk about what it meant for them and what it meant for them in terms of how they perceived the world and engaged with the world. Um, so it's a very interesting selection, a, a sampler platter, although uh, the, each commentary is fairly brief, so it, it's easy to actually dip into the book. In fact, it's probably recommended because it's, it's so meaty that <laughs> It's, uh, you, you would want to take time to digest all of the amazing, wonderful things that this man gave to the world. You know, his, probably one of his most famous and well-known inventions is the geodesic dome. Um, and then he also created, invented the Dymaxion car. Um, and he created the, the world game, which we perhaps are more familiar with from uh, the fourth grade teacher, John Hunter, who, uh, who wrote the book and created the, the game, the program, and his teaching, um, Fourth Graders and World Peace. So I, I was particularly pleased to 
to see that that work is being continued on. Um, what's another thing? Oh, uh, Bucky Fuller, a world that works for everyone. You know, he's well known for saying that. Um, how do we make the world work for 100% of humanity in the shortest possible time through spontaneous cooperation without ecological damage or disadvantage to anyone? So that was his philosophy. He was truly a, a global citizen um, and a very humble man. And uh, we are still reaping the benefits and continuing the benefits of, of what he taught and um, this book, the intention and the hope is that it's a, interpreting his vision to bring forward to the next generation. Um, and it really teaches by example. I find when I read it, I'm just inspired because the man himself was such an inspiring man. And it's a way of distilling the wisdom into the essence. Um, and as I say, it's not about Bucky, but it's about us. It's about humanity. So I'd highly recommend this book, and it's called A Fuller View. I'm sorry, I didn't say the co-author, editor, L. Stephen Seiden. I um, absolutely loved your reference to um, John Hunter's book. Um, I had a fantastic interview with John Hunter. The name of the book is World Peace and Other Fourth Grade Achievements. Mm -hmm. And this is absolutely a delicious read. Um, and if you have a chance to go to our website, ncreview.com, and listen to my interview with John Hunter, um, you will so enjoy it. The other thing I wanted to comment on was that my very favorite Buckminster Fuller quote is that you cannot change reality um, by, you know, just doing more of the same, you have to create a new model that makes the old model obsolete. And this is what all these books and, and this whole new consciousness thing is all about. It's finding those new models. You cannot just keep on going with your head against the wall, hoping for a different outcome. Okay. Um, oh, Diane. Yes. What you got? Okay, so I think my next one I'm going to go to, How Do You Pray? Inspiring Responses from Religious Leaders, Spiritual Guides, Healers, Activists, and Other Lovers of Humanity. This is edited by Celeste Yacobani. She's a minister, a healer, uh, and a seeker. This is how she describes herself. And she, um, she was inspired to find out why people pray. I mean, we all know... Um, I'm sorry, she wanted to find out how people pray. We all know why why people pray. It seems to be pretty well understood. But how how do people pray? And so she started asking family, friends, leading figures around the world, religious, people who were religious, people who were agnostic. Um, she asked them, why do you pray? And she chose 129 responses and put them together in this collection of prayers, essays, and offerings. And she discovered there's many different ways that people pray. They, besides kneel, there's walking, there's fishing, there's playing instruments, there's chanting, there's meditation, there's being in nature. And these, and the contributors are all over the map. So we have Alex Gray, um, Byron Katie, Dan Millman, Fred Allen Wolf, Greg Braden, Houston Smith, Patch Adams, <laughs> the doctor, Rabbi Rami, Rami Shapiro, 
and on and on, um, Marianne Williamson. And they, this is referred to as a prayer book for modern times. It embraces all viewpoints. It provides spiritual nourishment. It offers many paths to the divine or whatever people want to call that energy. And, and so this is like short, short little reads that you might do before bedtime, just something to make you feel good or, um, or to start the day. Nice little book, How Do You Pray by Celeste Yacobani. Very nice, very nice. Okay, and you know, I'm going to put my two cents in here because I have a book that I think is really important. And it, I was thinking about it after um, hearing Julie talk about the book with the, the color healing, the emotional causes of illness. And this one is called The Disease Delusion by Dr. Jeffrey S. Bland. Um, so it's taking the, uh, the whole concept of disease down to the physical level, the physical emotional level. And uh, Jeffrey Bland is probably considered the father of functional medicine, which is looking at the causes of disease rather than trying to treat the symptoms. And the causes start inside. They, they start with how the body gets nourished. And, of course, nourishment comes in many ways. Um, for the physical body, you need to get the food, the elements. You need to a clean environment to remove the toxic uh, parts of your environment. Um, and he talks about um, detoxifying uh, as being important too. And of course, detoxifying is also um, washing your brain out, if you will, clearing out the toxic emotions and the stresses from your environment, filling the body with clean fuel and um, uh, re-inoculating the gut because the, the, the um, central uh, uh, digestive system is really the, the core of your immune function. So um, feeding it with probiotics, with, with good food, uh, removing the toxic foods from your diet, finding out where your personal um, allergies and, and sensitivities lie, removing those from your diet. What's interesting is if you remove them from your diet and you clean your act up and you return to health, then you can slowly reintroduce some of the things that you might have been sensitive to in the past. But it's giving your body all of the support that it needs to um, really uh, utilize the fuel that you give it. Um, so it's, uh, and he has a website um, where he's actually been training doctors around the world in this holistic approach, which many of us in the area think, you know, is already out there, but he's still been a pioneer and in some cases a voice in the wilderness. So this is called the disease delusion. Uh, and I might add that he has a wonderful kind of self-diagnostic um, questionnaires there. So you can kind of pinpoint where your body is going off the rails and then offers the, the approaches on how to get it back on. 
So the disease delusion by Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Okay, I think we're back to Cynthia. Wonderful. Well, my next book is called Active Consciousness, Awakening the Power Within, and it's written by Amy Lansky, L-A-N-S-K-Y. And she is an ex-NASA scientist, but she's also a mom. And the, the motivation for her to write this book about tuning into this amazing consciousness that we all have access to uh, is that her son, um, her three-year-old son, Max, became really noticeably different as he was maturing and that he was not able to speak. He was coming um, into what we would now call autistic symptoms and showing evidence of um, you know, severe autism, actually. And she had an older son also, Isaac, but Max was just having all kinds of issues that she recognized and the doctors recognized. Um, he needed medical help. He was tested and he qualified for state benefits. He attended special speech and language therapy. And the mother, this NASA scientist, Amy Lansky, started searching for what can she do. So she was just reading this magazine, Mothering Magazine, um, which many of our listeners might have heard of. It's an alternative parenting magazine. So it covers um, different kinds of ideas that are outside the box because Amy had tried changing the diet. That did help, and that ties in exactly with what you were just talking about, Miriam, recognizing that um, food can either be poison, it can be medicine, that kind of idea. And so recognizing that Max's diet should make some changes. And so this is this is what inspired this, this article in Mothering Magazine, inspired Amy to give this new idea of homeopathy a try. And coincidentally, homeopathy was also mentioned, although I didn't discuss it, in that last book, The Self-Actualizing Cosmos by Irvin Laszlo. Because homeopathy is the idea... It's kind of a strange idea that some people, if you haven't heard of it before, it may sound a little bit um, bizarre or just kind of nutty even, that you can take something, a substance that's, um, well, actually you can cure something with a substance that has been found to cause the disease's symptoms in healthy people. That's the entire concept of homeopathy, um, the basis of it. And then, of course, taking a really dilute quantity of this, which you might um, it gets to the point where there's just like one part in millions or billions, and it's almost like a trace element. It's hardly there at all. Uh, but this kind of treatment was what did, in fact, work for Amy's son, Max. And people were remarking, how did this work? And because she's a scientist, this began her journey. So I, I love getting into the motivation. Why did someone spend so much time looking at the science of homeopathy? Why has Amy become known as an expert in this field? And this is why, because as a mother, um, you know, anybody who's a mom or a dad knows that you would do almost anything to, to ensure the health of your children. And this is uh, what caused Amy to lead to writing a book called The Impossible Cure. And then this book is the one I'm reviewing, Active Consciousness. So it starts with a little bit of a summary of how she got into this area of you know, such tremendous interest in what is this field? And she references, of course, Irvin Laszlo's work. Now, I have to say at this point, I didn't choose these books because they were connected. Um, as so often is the case, <laughs> I just found out while reading them, oh my gosh, there's a lot of connection here. So I, I was thrilled to be um, seeing as I was going through Amy's book that she's talking about the same principles of homeopathy and how it all is connected to this oneness state. 
But what's really special about reading a book by a, a NASA scientist, you might think, oh gosh, another egghead. But no, uh, she really, she brings in illustrations into her book. So there are lots of wonderful pictures. And if, I think that's the best way to look at science. When you look at something like what would d- different dimensions appear as in our world, she puts the illustrations right in the book that show that. And furthermore, she's able to explain um, some of the science behind this active mechanism in homeopathy, why when you have a, a psychological issue, um, it might be no accident when emotional irritation actually leads to a pain in the neck. Or if you're pissed off, it leads to kidney problems. <laughs> I know. So she's, she's down to earth, she's funny, she's warm, and she's so human. And I think that's what makes this book so exciting for me because I love the science. I, I think it's always my favorite thing about a book is that it's at least touching on some of our current understanding of um, why we tend to assume so many things because, for example, we tend to think that we're in a three-dimensional world with time. And so we, we typically simplify reality down to our level. What Amy is asking us to do is to think of higher levels of order and recognize that this is the way homeopathy works and that we can achieve a state of genuine, authentic, deep communication with others. And something else super special about this book is that because Amy herself clearly does a lot of meditation she has some wonderful exercises and how-to steps on how you can get into what she calls the now plus state. So now, of course, being right here, right now. And the plus, um, just being super energized. This is the part where some people, they get stuck in a rut or they get into doldrums and they feel like they can't get those kind of positive changes in their lives that they'd like to see. And so Amy really has great little exercises in a multi-step, like a four-step process on how to get into that meditative state, how to maintain what she calls a detached observer state and notice in your own body what kind of discomfort or sensations and tensions you're feeling as you're thinking about something. Because this is how we are information processors and how uh, we can start becoming more mindful of what's happening, what our thoughts are doing, and get that kind of mind, body, spirit, connectivity, and um, alignment that is so necessary for healing and for good health. So once again, this book is Active Consciousness, Awakening the Power Within. It could also be subtitled Getting to Now Plus, because <laughs> that's what her technique is. And her name is Amy Lansky. She is a NASA scientist or an ex-NASA scientist, but what a warm, wonderful person and um, just a mother who really cares about good health uh, for all of us. So I highly recommend this. Amazing. Fantastic. And Diane, what is your next book? Do you want uh, Julia or Julie? Um, yeah, I think I'm next. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a book called The Secret Life of Sleep by Kat Duff. Um, and this is a, a delightful, delightful book that uh, draws from literature, culture, spiritual traditions, um, research around the world. And the author, Kat, is really interested in understanding how 
um, human have what human sleep experiences are and what it means to people around the world, you know, attitudes and practices, um, and how sleep has become a dwindling resource, as she said. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's a really, uh, uh, in some ways, it's a circular book, and by that, it, you know, because she is addressing so many different facets of sleep, it all actually comes around to the same thing eventually, but she does sort of follow a little bit of sequential progression, um, starting with, you know, just exploring the attitudes about uh, the divide between sleeping and waking. And, you know, in our contemporary society, um, we have what she calls a wake-centric cultural bias. So, you know, meaning that we place more importance on being awake and what we can do in the waking world and the meaning that we find within waking. Um, And from there, she goes on to to explore how we fall asleep and the place between waking and sleeping, which, as people may know, when you're going to sleep, it's called the hypnopompic stage, and when you're waking up, it's called the hypnogogic stage. Um, and, and it is a distinct phase, and distinct things happen in that time in our, our brains and our chem- chemistries and so on. Um, and, and she looks at, you know, the disturbances and disruptions of sleep, such as microsleeping and narcolepsy and insomnia, um, and goes into looking at memory and how it relates to our REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep, when we have our, our dreams, our uh, dreaming life, um, and she goes through the whole thing and comes back out to the end of how we wake up, and it's really, uh, it's a delicious exploration, and what I like about this book in particular is that she pre- she presents a curiosity and open-mindedness about, you know, what happens and how it happens, and she does present some, some research to, to ground some of the uh, things that she has uncovered. One of the interesting things for me was when she talked about how we actually fall asleep chemically um, because, you know, I think that's something that we all notice uh, our habits of how we fall asleep. And apparently um, it's not just like a switch. It feels like that for most of us. We're asleep, we're awake, and then the next moment we're, oh, God, <laughs> and then we wake up again. Um, but in fact... The way it works is that clusters of neurons in the brain um, begin to progressively close down. So it's kind of like a popcorn popping, you know. As the, the, the chemical, there's a chemical called ATP that the brain produces um, that fuels cell activity. And as this accumulates over the day, it slows down the brain's activity, which makes us progressively sleepier. And as that happens, then these clusters start to slow down, start to shut down, excuse me. Um, and then as, as the neurons become fatigued, they release even more of the ATP, and we sort of switch into sleep mode while the rest of the brain remains awake. And it's, at a certain point, then the entire brain shuts down. But it's really it's a progression, and I never, I never knew that. <laughs> I thought that was somewhat fascinating. Um, and of course, she talks about things such as seabirds and uh, 
sea mammals have the ability to sleep with only one hemisphere of the brain at a time, which I think, yes, um, which is really interesting, especially, you know, you think of migratory birds and they're flying for thousands, hundreds, thousands of miles. How do they do that? They Half their brain sleeps, one eye stays open, and then at a certain point they switch over, and that's how they, how they manage to do that. I wonder if they zigzag in their course as well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, she, didn't, she didn't talk about that. And as I say, you know, it's not a book so much as, as about finding definitive statements or conclusions. It's very inquisitive and curious, and she offers suggestions for, for many things based on the various researchers and research that she has uncovered. Um, and there's so much more I could tell you about it, but I suspect I probably am needing to wrap it up a little bit. Um, she also talks about the future of sleep, again, very briefly, um, and about, you know, using medication that is called sleep replacement. And there is somewhat of a trend toward creating drugs that will completely eliminate the need for sleep. Um, so called cosmetic neurology, where sleep will become, or not eliminated, but controllable and dispensable uh, through a steady supply of stimulants and sedatives, which to me sounds like wholly unappealing. That sounds <laughs> really yeah. scary, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a delightful book. Um, it's it's easy to read, and I think that sleep and dreaming and waking, you know, and on the one hand, it's something that we all are very uh, intimate with, and on the other hand, we tend to dismiss and ignore it. And of course, she talks about dreams and dreaming too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that anybody with even a mild curiosity in, in that aspect of you know, the divide between waking and sleeping would, would enjoy this. Right. And again, it is called The Secret Life of Sleep by Kat Duff. Okay, now we do have Diane. Ah, you, let's see. Okay, I have another Rags to Riches story. The Seven Decisions by Andy Andrews. This is, um, it was previously released under the, uh, another title. So this is a re-release, but mm -hmm. um, it's the first time I've read it, <laughs> and uh, it really got me fired up and focused. Um, so Andy Andrews, at a period in his life, was homeless, and he would go to the library and he would read the biographies of successful people and try to figure out how they became successful, and he read over 200 of them and he interviewed eventually interviewed people successful people and he found out that there were seven different decisions that these people made that made them successful and um they so they they would seek wisdom they would take action they decided with certainty they chose joy they practiced forgiveness and they persisted no matter what the great thing about this story, about this book is Andy Andrews is a great storyteller and he has examples in there from history of how people overcame obstacles or how they, uh, how they made a decision or how they, they chose, um, how they decided with certainty on the battlefield, for instance, or how they took action, how they went about seeking wisdom. And 
and how whatever they did had ripples through history and affected other people. And he says, he says, whatever action you take or don't matters. Whatever action you take or don't matters. And that's important to know. He says, you never lack time or money. You just lack an idea. So this book has exercises to help people envision their ideal future and to propel them to take action. There's stories from famous people who tell in their own words how they found success after facing failure, after dealing with rejection or humiliation. And um, as I said, this book just got me fired up. I, I, and he's got a great sense of humor as well, which always helps. So that's called The Seven Decisions by Andy Anderson. Or, I'm sorry, Andy Andrews. Right. Well, what a fantastic bunch of books, um, as happened last time. Oh, I really want to read them all. Oh, well. <laughs> I know. As if we don't have enough to read. <laughs> well, ladies, it's been such a delight. Thank you so much for you. being our, our uh, really, the, the, the heart and soul of New Consciousness Review. I'm so grateful to you, and um, I hope uh, everyone will get onto our site, ncreview.com, check, up all the, check out all these books, and you can, of course, uh, click on them um, on the site. So uh, we have been speaking with Cynthia Sue Larson, with Julie Clayton, and with Diane Holcomb. Wonderful reviewers of NC Review. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank Say goodbye. You. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Coming in September, but available for pre-order now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. Mm-hmm.